welcome to uh, the Rookery Inn. Uh, it's our February podcast. Uh, my name is John, with me is Mike. Hi. And uh, Jason. Hello. Uh, we are three Life on Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End, and from the Rookery End is our take on life as a Watford fan. We are literally in the Rookery End. We're sort of at the bottom bowels. Yeah, we're in it, we're in it. We're part of the fabric of the Rookery End. Uh, we're going to look back at the last game, so it's uh, the Man City game, uh, as well as we're going to chat to John uh, Salomon, the manager of the Watford ladies team, their new season about to kick off. Also, we'll be assessing the, the squad as it is with our new boys that arrived in the January transfer window. In fact, I watched Watford play Middlesbrough. A couple of old boys, Mike. Yep. Danny Graham, first and foremost. First time he's played at Vicarage Road since he left. So, be, uh, obviously, he'll get a good reception. The one thing, obviously, that I'm worried about is he hasn't scored yet for Middlesbrough. So, I think it's got to be worth a cheeky quid on I mean, Well, remember, the only goal I think he's got in the Premier League so far this season was against Swansea. So he definitely does that old boy thing. So go. we've got to watch out today. So uh, after we've done this, there'll be a quid on Danny Graham, any time goal scorer. And, uh, and Nathaniel uh, Tillover's back for his yeah. first game. And it'll be really interesting to see how he performs. Now I expect him to, to put a decent performance in today, because obviously he's playing against Watford. But I was thinking about him on the way to the game today, and you know, the Nottingham Forest didn't work out, as we suspected it wouldn't, under, uh, under Davis. I think he just felt it was a bad move for, for both parties. But now he's sort of worried that he's starting to do that floating thing because you haven't heard much about him at Middlesbrough. I don't know whether that's because he hasn't played. I haven't looked into it, I'll be honest. But Josh McEachern sprang to mind. Absolutely. One yeah, of these guys. He took the word out of my mouth, hey, Mike. Funnily enough, great season. He was this lot player of the season last season, I think, for Middlesbrough. He's then come to Watford. High expectations because he's had a good season in the Championship and it just didn't work out. I think he got a bit of stick from the fans. Some of it was unwarranted because the system at the time the way we were trying to play he was trying to play balls up the middle of the park that, that just weren't there he was, he was having to probe and find things that trying to make things happen and it, and it, it was too difficult time, yeah. but, but he was like for a young lad it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit him it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt him it's going to do his morale some damage and he now needs to bounce back from that and so does Nathaniel but that's the thing though you know when like when old boys come back, the ones that you like, you like them to come back, or you like to see them and they do well, it's not against you, but I worry, maybe he, this will be the time where oh, he, he breaks through. You, can, you, you only need to look at um, Deeney's uh, reaction in scoring against Birmingham, yeah. how much um, scoring against teams you have a soft spot for is, is a good thing, people don't, don't dislike it, so I'm expecting big performances from both Graham and uh, Chalabar today. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We're starting the third month under Beckley Sonino as Watford head coach. Well, you know, in, in terms of since the last podcast, which we recorded at the uh, the Bristol uh, FA Cup replay and Bournemouth away, since then we we, we lost away at, at, at Manchester City after going 2-0 up. We lost away at Forest after going 2-0 up. Uh, we won against Brighton after going 2-0 up. Uh, and then we drew against Leicester 2-2 after going 2-0 up. Uh, and then finished off with a, a 1-0 home win against Birmingham. Ruins a little bit of a yeah, nice statistical run. Which game has been the most significant, Mike? I think for me, looking back at those, the, the Nottingham Forest game has, will hopefully prove to be the most significant because I think that was one... Watford fans have been quite, uh, they've argued amongst themselves a little bit and rightly so about where this Watford side's going, how we're performing, whether it's a, 
you know, what's going wrong and so on and so forth. But I think that one was one that left people in absolutely no doubt as to that it was a completely unacceptable performance. And obviously I'm referring to the second half. Well, I would say, the first half wasn't that bad. No, the first, the first half they did okay. They, they, they worked hard and got themselves into a game. They didn't look like getting anything from it initially. But to a man, everyone has condemned that second half performance. And I think the word most used has been capitulation. Um, and it was embarrassing. I wasn't there. I watched it on TV, um, and just to see it collapse like that before our eyes was was, was painful. But it was almost endemic of the season as, as a whole so far. It's almost as if the season had been leading up to that, with the team sort of just crumbling into into a sort of nothing you missed, which is what that second half was. And you know, this, this, we've talked about having a squad but not having a team. And I think never more was that more evident than, than that Forest game. Now, the reason I've chosen that as, as being really um, uh, as an important one, as a pivotal one, is that I think and hope that the, the players will have come in from that game and looked at each other and thought, boys, you know, this is completely unacceptable. We can't. This is not how we want our profession to be. We we're, we're supposed to be professional footballers. Let's try and turn this around now because that was hopeless. Well, I looked, uh, for me that game was the first half was great because we were doing that thing that that Beppe sort of got the team doing where he's trying to win the ball back in the other team's half battling back for it after playing Manchester City where they must have put their hearts into it for 90 minutes with the chances of getting a replay four days later you go and play a team that's absolutely in form hasn't gone through that um, previously that by the second half we'd run out of energy and we'd gone plus Adley coming on yeah, the players must know that he is important to a, a good Watford uh, team, or at least can be significant to it, and within the 10 minutes, yeah, back off again. Their heads must have dropped for a little while there, plus you're playing Forest who are, who are a good championship team. You know, that's a case in point. You're, you're probably the first person I've heard try to dress it up and, and provide any sort of excuse for it, when actually... Uh, well, it's an excuse, but it's not trying to realise... Well, rationalise it. Well, yeah, actually, rationalize. what it was, and, and I'm looking to Jay to see whether he'll agree here. <laughs> it was utter, it was rubbish. It was toilet. Oh, it was absolute toilet. But, it was, but, what, but why? And it's, and it's completely unacceptable. Well, well, I think, like I said, they've, they've been building towards it. We've got we've got a, a team of um, we've got a squad of underperforming players mm. because that's why we're sitting on 38 points instead of a lot lot more. You know, you look at the it's harder than playing football manager. Just having good players doesn't mean you have a good team. But this lot, uh, you look at them all in isolation, they're great players. There's very, very few weak links in this squad. So they're underperforming and that and it came to an absolute horrific head in that in that forest game. And I just hope and the performances since to give them give them their dues. One of you I'm sure will go on to talk about the Leicester game. But you know, that was one where they had to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight to get to get a very creditable draw. And I think that that forest game they will use that as a sort of line in the sand to say we will not accept that again. I, at least I hope that that will be the situation. So for me, that, that was an important game. Well, I'm gonna, I am going to take that Leicester game as significant. Going up too early on in that game against a team that had absolutely dominated us at home early in the season. Um, must have been a good mental win. It took a last-minute wonder goal to beat you. That isn't like they caved and scored like they did against Forest. So it shows improvement from the Forest game. Yeah, it shows that they, they've had the first game. It was a second half disaster, but they've sorted it out and they've developed enough. Again, we're playing a team that's top of the league, a club that had a team rather than a squad. For me, that's that's the progress. Maybe by the end of the season, it won't be seen as significant because there'll be significant games since. But the Leicester game for me just shows how far 
in a short space of time how far they've come. They had to battle for that. They had yeah. to battle for that point. And yeah, people will say, well, 94 minutes gone, we, we you know, we, we, we should have seen that through. In actual fact, we almost lost it. You know, they had two further chances after after it went to two all, and they, we could have lost that game. Um, so I think you're right that it is progress, and we can only we're, we're talking about baby steps here, really under under Sinigo. You know, we can't we can't look at the broader picture because there isn't a broader picture yet. We can only go from game to game and hope that things get incrementally better. And going to Leicester, who are you know they are the team this year. They I think the team that gave us the wake up call that this year wasn't going to be as good as we thought when they absolutely battered us here. Um, and to go there and get a draw is, was it's a fabulous result and hopefully they will get heart from it and we'll look back and say well we've moved on from it's, that forest it's all about context you know, like you say and, and yeah just looking at it throwing away a 2-0 win is poor but yeah. a 2-0 lead is poor but draw away from home you don't follow it up with a home win and yeah that's what gets you there and thereabouts at the right end of the, right end of the table drawing away from home picking up the wins at home what's the most significant game for you Jason? um Talking about following up draws away from home and win at home, I'm going for Birmingham City 1-0. It's a different type of game, I thought, to, to, the, to all the 2-0 debacles, if you want to call them that. Yeah, for one, yeah, we didn't go 2-0 up, let's get out of the way. Um, but it was, it was a lot more nitty-gritty about it, I think, on Tuesday night. Well, we've, seen, we've seen either the games at Man City, Leicester, Forest. There was periods of play where we've been playing well and we've been testing good opposition. Um, and then we conceded the goal and we capitulated almost. we tried to fight it off and it's not, not worked for us this was different we didn't really control the game I don't think on uh, Tuesday there was a lot of standing off I thought whereas we've seen that a lot of teams put us under pressure Birmingham weren't doing that to us and so we weren't oh, we had time to try and ping the ball around and Birmingham were doing the same yet neither team was doing it well it was all a bit scrappy probably one decent bit of football in that first half we nearly cocked it up, but yeah. thankfully Dini had another go. Um, dislocate his knee <laughs> without a bit of And eventually down the back of the net. And then in the second half, again, it just it stayed a bit. And it, it's one of those games where you thought if we did go 2 0 up, that the, the lack of quality that Birmingham was showing probably would have meant we'd have been all right. But we gave them that chance. I mean, that, that was that free kick at the end where Pat would nearly score. And there we go again. But it's. And, 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 thing that's significant for me is one yes we won it good we show we can win those games but I think we've got a lot of those types of games coming up yeah. we know we get Middlesbrough out of the way today I think we've got a lot of teams that are towards the, the bottom end who are on bad runs like Blackpool Barnsley Oval coming up yeah. and they're going to be like that rather than like the games that are against Forest and Leicester so I think one we've shown we can win those games now let's go on and, and, and pick up the points where we can in those games coming up. I make Jake's absolutely right about that about that Birmingham game. But the most important thing for me and the most pleasing thing about what was quite a, a horror show really of an evening, the football on, on show was poor from both sides. Matt Rowson described it on his site as um, what was having a duvet day. And I think, I think the same went for everyone, wasn't it? The atmosphere was quite, was, was yeah. quite subdued. And, and, and the referee. Yeah, very confusing. Oh, I know, I know it's, a, it's a long-running joke that we very always get that on very good, but... Yeah, I mean, his performance was summed up with the forest there. He cut Raven on the pitch and realised he shouldn't have done it. But the, the, the most, the single best thing about that game is that two months ago, maybe even two, three weeks ago, that was a game we would have lost. I think, you know, we'd have let that guard chance in at the end and we would have lost a scrappy game 1-0 or 2-1 or something, but we didn't. And, you know, we'll remember it because it was Tuesday night, but no one will talk about that game in a week's time, but the three points are in the bag, so it doesn't matter, and that is the most important thing. So winning a game that we might 
previously have lost. You talked about progress, John, and, and moving on, and we've sort of done it chronologically. Forest, Leicester, Birmingham, and we have moved on. Um, we can't we can't close the segment without talking about Man City. Incredible performance, um, deserve probably more plaudits. Um, but frustrating from the point of view is to show what this team can do. And what I love about actually that whole thing is that you listen to further Man City games that haven't performed. The commentators I think refer back to well when they played Watford. Yeah. You know they did this. I thought, oh, that's quite well, good. We've, we've shown other teams the light. I think. Look, this <laughs> is how you can cause Man City well, trouble. Walking away from the Etihad, the Manchester, Manchester City fans were, were very, very, very complimentary about Watford, and they knew they'd been in a hell of a game. It wasn't a four-two game, but a, a draw would have been would have been just about right. But you know, obviously the third goal went in, and, and, and that did for us. But that was a terrific performance, and that's what this team can do, which is great on one hand. They're frustrating on the other. We may have drawn against Leicester and they thoroughly beat us just before Christmas. And Leicester fans might be thinking that they have revenge over us for what happened in that playoff semi final. But I don't think they'll ever take that away from us. In fact, the guys at watfordsongs.co.uk sent us this song to mark that special goal from Troy Deeney. Song, head over to whatfordsongs.co.uk. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. Now, before the Brighton game, uh, we caught up with uh, Watford fan David Cameron Walker, who presents the We Are Going Up podcast. Have a search for it on iTunes. Uh, and we had a reflection on the changes that we've had to the Watford squad in the January transfer window. It's three days since the uh, transfer window closed. I always want to call it a curtain. Maybe more dramatic the transfer curtain closing. Yes. I'd be all for that because I'm so, so fed up of hearing the word and the transfer window slams shut. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined by uh, David Cameron Walker from uh, We Are Going Up uh, podcast. David, uh, first time you're in the podcast with us this year. We had a huge number of changes again at Watford this year. Uh, another bunch of players coming in. Um, have you felt like a, the same sort of connection to these players as you did? in past seasons? Uh, no, not, not really at all. And I, This season, for me, it, it, it's been more like what I expected last season to be at the start. You know, in terms of there, there's been no consistency and it's not, you know, there's been, there's been injuries but the new players that came in in the summer and, you know, and, and various ones that have joined on loan since. It's been very difficult for either Zola or, or now Sanino to get a settled side, you know, defensively, the, the back three has been all over the place, hasn't it? There's, there's, I don't think, you know, there's not been a solid three that have played week in, week out for more than a couple of weeks at a time. 
you know, strikers have been in and out. We've got so many midfielders, they've all been in and out. So it, it, it's been tough, really, to identify with, with the team as a whole. I, I don't really know what our best team is. Is that weird as it be as a Watford fan? Uh, it, it is, yeah, because, I mean, as I said, this is not what I, what I feared would happen last season, but it went so brilliantly last season, and it was so obvious who our best players were, and Zola was able to get a settled side, and, and it, with any season that you do well, you always have, you have a, an affection towards the team, and you'll remember it fondly, but, you know, and, and it was sort of, uh, you know, the, the worries that I had last season, they were all completely blown away by how well we did. But now I am sort of waking up to the reality of what, you know, maybe this will be our, be our future. Maybe every year we are going to have to deal with an influx of players and, and changes to the team and we're going to have to work out a way to, to overcome that. Because we had a huge number of turnovers, all our core players, the, the biggest, most influential players, have, have gone this year. You got one in particular you sort of missed? Well, I think it's, it's easy to say, Vidra, uh, and I, I do miss... I don't know if I missed him. I, I missed what he was to the team. <laughs> but you know that so that last two months of the season where where he you know he turned the goals dried up for him apart from the playoff semi final, and you know there were reports that he wasn't quite at it in training week in week out, and maybe the hunger wasn't there once he got all his goals and he thought right I've got to move in the summer. That sort of annoyed me. So I don't know if I missed him specifically, but I miss what, I think the team definitely miss him, and we, we really lack someone with his pace and with his ability to score goals. Um, but, you know, and, and Chalabar as well, I, I do miss him because I look at what he's done this season. He's been at Forest, didn't really go very well from at Forest. Now he's at Middlesbrough. This may well be good for his development, but, you know, I thought he was, he was excellent last season. I really liked him. I liked his character. I liked what he brought to the team. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I miss those two, with Chalabar more than, than, than Vidra. Okay, Jason, we've had, uh, we've had some ins today. We have had some ins. Uh, I count it five, and I suspect I'll mispronounce all their names completely wrong. Almost day one of the window, Curtin, Merkel, uh, yep. midfielder on loan. Rudinese and Rangieri Ranagi or Ranagi I'm not sure, actually sure how you pronounce uh, it a striker we've yet to see a striker we've yet to see yeah. then uh, last week we had Tuzer I, I had Toza, I hope it's Toza and not, not with anything else. Yeah. Uh, again, another midfield uh, from Jenner on uh, A more defensive midfielder, I think. Uh, and then we've had Diakite. Diakite, see, I had Diakat. Diakite. Or, or Diakite. Uh, on, uh, on loan from QPR, uh, midfielder. And then Park Chu Young, another striker. Uh, he hasn't scored a lot of goals for Arsenal, uh, again on loan. Uh, a pacey striker. Okay. So he runs around a lot. He, well, hopefully he fills that void that Dave was just talking about. Completely agree we haven't missed that bridge type player up front to add another dimension to our attack. And hopefully, thing, a lot of things resting on his shoulders here, big, big weight on his shoulders. Not that he knows it yet, probably. Yeah. But I'm sure many other Watford fans will be looking to him to give us that pace up front. Now I do like it when a new player gets signed to a team. You go into YouTube, you look it up, you see a couple of good clips, you hear this, that and the other, and, all, and fans judge quite quickly, are they going to be good or are they going to be bad? On the whole, they said they're going to be the most amazing thing in the world, and the best thing to do is to bring a new player in. New players means a better team. Uh, we haven't seen them yet, and we're not going to judge them, and so we actually see them as Watford players, rather than Arsenal players, or QPR players, or Genoa players. Do you think overall those, those five coming in were the, the, the best moves? I think they're the right type of player, certainly the last three. What we're missing at the moment in midfield is a, a John Eustace type character, if you like, someone who will run around deep in the midfield, kicking people for one moment, <laughs> and Diakite will do that for sure. Okay. You might see him get sent off once or twice, but hopefully he'll add a, a bit of oomph into the team. And, and Park, we've already spoken about, he's paced up front. 
Tozer again, I think he sounds like he's a, a defensive midfield player, hopefully sort of similar role to Diakite. Uh, Merkel, we've seen a little bit of expectations of him, are that he's seen how to get off injured again during the week. Yeah, it's not looking good for him at the moment, is it? Maybe Merkel is meant to be a, a talented, good on the ball. If he can play as a, a box-to-box midfielder, maybe he can fill the empty void, so to speak, for us. You were going about needing a championship player. Um, my thing is that they're, they're quite young and not experienced. Is experience thing we're still lacking? Park is that young, is he? Park's 28. I didn't realise he was... I, I, I made the assumption that he was still a youngster. 28, should be at the peak of his game. Dear Kite, he's played in England. He knows, he knows what he's like to have to battle. He played in that struggling QPR side last year. Been completely overlooked this season. Not sure what the reason is. Did actually get back on the bench during January for the Rangers when with injuries. He's probably, of the lot, he's probably the, the, the most experienced in terms of English football. And certainly one I think I'd look to, to, to talk about that oomph back in the midfield. I like that word, so I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I'm relying to put that oomph back in the midfield. And a bit more, people talked about grit and and being solid there and, and yeah just getting stuck in and that's I think he'll be key for that so Mark we've seen uh, two players leave uh, Watford over the transfer window only been about six months Irene's gone to Real Mallorca and Rini's gone to Siena strange though they've gone so quickly I, I wouldn't say strange but disappointing definitely I think we saw in in Fabrini certainly glimpses of, of a fabulous player very very skillful very very talented I got very excited after the Reading away game in which he linked up with uh, Dave Ferroni uh, really well and I thought he might be might be some player but it, it hasn't happened for Brini at all and he's, he's cut an increasingly forlorn figure as he's been thrown on towards the end in what have been lost causes really disappointed but kind of understandable that, that he's gone and obviously made way for, for Park and Irony again is one who, who came with a bit of pedigree and Ironically with him, ironically with Irony, we saw in the, in the Bournemouth game away that he started to be the player that we thought he might be. You know, he's breaking the game up and uh, his distribution was good, but then he got injured and had to come off. So again, he was one that never really got started. So no great surprise to see him go. And it's not really what we're used to with players coming in and going so quickly. But of course, Fabini's a Watford player and he's gone off on loan. Now, you'd have to remind me of the situation with Irony, whether we signed him and he's on, yeah, yeah, on loan. So he's on loan. So, you know, it, it's it good for them to get some game time. Perhaps we, we, in Fabrini, discover a bit of confidence and, and go away and work in his game a bit and come back a new player for, for next year because I do think he's a good player. Um, but it's again, it's sort of, you say strange, and it, and it kind of is getting used to the, the Posto way of working. It's, it's not something we're used to. The, the criticism of it has been that it's we're going for quick fixes. He's not scoring goals, so get him out and get someone else in. But that's not a good place to be, and I don't, I, we don't want a, a high turnover of players, do we? No, absolutely not. But what we do want is to win football games, um, and we have to try something to, to make that happen. And, Fabrini wasn't scoring goals for Watford Football Club and, and really he wasn't looking like it either so you either give him a run of 20 games and he might score one he might score 20 but if I had to put money on it he looked like he was going to score one and uh, something we're not used to but, but really if you look at it it makes sense to me Well with every good new player the Hornets get they're all going to need their own song Pop Chu Young He's not Jordan much, he's part too young, he's signed for the Hornets and he's scoring goals for fun, singing Bamada, 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 Mukuri, hey! From the Rookery End. 
here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! So it's been a while since we've done our 100 objects list here on From the Rick Rins. It's our challenge to find 100 objects that define Watford Football Club. They might be objects that mean something of significance to the, the, what happened on the pitch, or it might be a personal object for you. This month we've put in two objects. One a sweet, one a pack. First one, though, came in from Nick Dunsby. He gave us a Watford passport to Europe. Nick said, the proudest moment for me following Watford through the divisions was as we travelled into Europe. As we set off for the first away game to Kaiserslautern, we were given a pack on our coach whilst departing the Vic. A wallet contained a German map, our ticket, and a letter from Graham Taylor. In that letter, Graham said, Having witnessed the behaviour and support we have already been given at our away matches, it is probably not necessary for me to appeal for this to continue. However, this is a new adventure for everyone connected with Watford, and understandably a lot of interest has been created, and there is no doubt that attention will be given to how we as a club, both on and off the field, cope with going into Europe. There is no doubt in my mind that the easy availability of alcohol is a contributory factor to most misbehaviour by English supporters when going abroad. I can only ask all Watford supporters who are making the trip to thoroughly enjoy themselves, but in no way let themselves, the club or the country down. Now let us go into Europe and whatever the result, make friends and show people we are capable of enjoying ourselves without any loss of standards of behaviour. Have a good time. All of you have earned this football bonus, and I sincerely hope it will eventually come to be a normal practice for us all. Yours sincerely, Graham Taylor. An amazing thing to keep in your, in your loft somewhere. Yeah, incredible. I mean, great, obviously, that it marks the start of Watford's European adventure, but I think it's... Start, the likes of that, Mike. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, the very start. It's, uh, we've had a bit of a pause, a bit of a hiatus since, but I'm sure it's about to... Uh, we need to dust down our passport soon enough. But I think it's... The great thing about that is it's absolutely symptomatic of why Watford got there, and it's because they did things properly. And Graham Taylor was very strict with the players. A lot of supporters would have memories of him being quite strict with the supporters when he felt things weren't going right. He wasn't shy about, about saying things. And it just... It, a lot of people will sort of laugh in the face of that sort of thing, saying, oh, you know, we're lads on tour, let's go and get smashed and hammered. And obviously that's what everyone did, because going away to Europe with your football team for the first time, you're not, it's not going to be without drink. Especially to a country like Germany, where they, they, they have copious amounts of lager yeah. available for you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely symptomatic of a club doing things the right way and just taking extra steps and just doing, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's and just doing everything they can to make sure that the fans' experience was a good one and also the club was represented in the right way and, you know, some might think it's a little bit, a bit, a little bit sloppy, a little bit silly, a little bit sort of Graham Taylor being a bit like a dad, but, you know, let's be honest, that's kind of what he was, really. Um, and yeah, well, fans were sick of getting brilliant. The next object is an object of love from Mike's brother Andy. There's a time in my uh, uh, younger years, uh, a young teenager, there wasn't a woman in my life, no one, no one special, apart from my beloved Watford FC. And I remember it was back in the North Stand when, the, when, the, when we sat in the North Stand. I don't think there was much going on on the pitch, you know, if, if anything at all, but uh, I'd enjoyed a, the most of a full pack of Rolos, apart from my last one. And as we all know, you give your last Rolo to the person you love the most. In this case, it's the thing I love the most. Watford Football Club. And so I carefully wrapped it up. And I didn't chuck, 
<laughs> gently lobbed. It's no missiles. <laughs> gently lobbed my uh, last roll onto the pitch to uh, show my affection or confection. Um, <laughs> it seemed fitting without anyone else to give it to. Was that embarrassing for you, Mike? No, actually, yeah, I was a bit annoyed. I hadn't thought of it first. I thought <laughs> it, was quite, it was quite a good gesture. It's um, not his first um, sort of quite emotional uh, thing that Andy had done. Remember when we, uh, we met Kenny Jacket here at Watford once in, uh, I think it was in a Junior Hornets event, and he, uh, we were getting autographs, and Kenny Jacket was Andy's favourite, and Andy just wandered up to uh, Kenny, gazed up in his sort of, uh, gazed up in his Welsh eyes and said, I like you. <laughs> and that was it. And, uh, Ken, and Kenny said, uh, you're not too bad yourself. But Andy, Andy was pleased with that. That embarrassed me a little bit. I don't mind admitting. I, but, um, I, I'll try not, not to trump you or anything. But um, it reminds me of the, the previous Open Day when my, my nephew, who is, is four years old, uh, had his picture taken out with Marco Cassetti as they uh, sort of went to stand up after the photo was taken my nephew went to lick him on the cheek <laughs> <laughs> who can blame him remember 100 objects uh, only really work for your suggestions like from Nick thank you very much for, for getting in touch Nick uh, I think you've practically got some other ones you might send us so looking forward to those if you want to get in touch and send us your suggestions for a list of 100 objects that define what a football club get in touch email us podcast at from the we're the Orns you're the Orns uh, so we're almost at the end of the Watford. It feels like we're at the end of the Watford season. Do you know what? Of that first half, I wish we were. <laughs> at the end of the it's still near the half time at Watford uh, at Hundred Middlesbrough. Uh, but the, the Watford ladies' team uh, season is just kicking off. Uh, we're joined by John Salomon, uh, the, uh, the Watford ladies' manager. You're still managing, not head coach of the ladies. Team. I'm still manager. Yeah, yeah still manager. Yeah. The fixtures came out this week, and you're now playing in the summer. What's what's different now about the ladies' team? Pre-season's a bit colder. We started, <laughs> we started pre-season in January. We're to play all our friendlies on Ashford Turf because everywhere's flooded at the moment. But yeah, no, it's, I mean it's just yeah, a bit colder and different sort of you know period in terms of the way we're preparing and, and, and training and stuff like that. But sort of eight weeks away now from the start of the season. So. Why, why, why are you now starting your season? We joined the Super League, so we're the, the women's Super League restructured, so it's two two higher divisions now of the Super League One and Super League Two. So we're going out of the National Women's Premier Division, which was the Winter League, uh, and going into the summer setup. And the Super League One's been running for I think, three years now, and it's done really well, and the attendance is going up and all the rest of it. So it's extended to two leagues, and we were lucky enough to get in that. Is that a big, is that a big, big thing for the ladies? Yeah, it's a big step for the club. It's you know a lot of the clubs now are going from being sort of amateur clubs to semi-professional or, or full professional clubs now. So to be a part of that and, and to keep developing the club and growing the club is a big step yeah definitely you mentioned sort of semi-professional full-time clubs well, how, where do we sit in that in that sort of scheme of things well we're, we're not quite there yet but we're we're working towards it so we're we just you know we're trying to we, we built a, a sustainable business plan where we can grow the club year by year so we'll keep growing the club year by year and see where it takes us I, I was at an event at um, St George's Park with Continental who I think sponsored the, the league is that yeah, right that's right yeah. and we were lucky enough to meet some of the England ladies and what struck um, I was there with Andy, my brother, and what struck us was how professional they were and how used they obviously were to these sort of public appearances. And, you know, there was, a, there was an aura about them, which, I, which is, I, there shouldn't have been. I, I sort of chastised myself for being surprised at that. They, you felt that you were in the presence of, of, of real top-level sports people. How big a jump is that going to be for, for the Watford ladies to, to be mingling with those sort of the players, and how do you adapt to, to being in that sort of environment? We've been we we've, we've, we've we do a few player appearances in the community, so we have players go to like you know Hearts FA um, events, and we do you know visits to we've done visits to care homes in the past and, and community events in the area. So 
you know, but part of being in the Super League, it's, it's actually in our Super League contract that we, tw- you know, we'll do 20 player appearances over the year for the league, uh, and then we'll have our own club, you know, player appearances go out as well. But it, all it is, it's growing, it's growing the club's profile, it's growing, it's growing their profile as players as well. So it can only be good for them. We just make sure they get the right media training, so they're saying the right things on Twitter and things like that. But the, the game's going in such a good direction. Things like that are so important to, to keep growing the awareness of, of women's football. So the girls have had a long wait between the end of the last season and the start of the next one. What have they been doing to keep fit? Uh, we had a, a few of them go out on loan. I think we had about eight or nine players go out on loan uh, to various kind of seven Premier League sides and a few South East combination sides. Um, so a few of them kept fit by playing elsewhere. Some of them played for the reserves and some of them just took the time off, focused on their lives outside of football a little bit and just do a little bit of training. And, but now that's kind of where the task starts because we had so much momentum for a couple of seasons. We know it's the rebuilding process of all of that now. So. Being in a new league, you're going to have some different teams around you. How hard does that make your job tactically? It's harder, but it's also made a little bit easier because we've got access to certain different things now. So the FA film all the games, so we can now do scouting on teams prior to matches, which we didn't have that you know kind of access last season and things like that. So there's loads of things now going on that we're going to make sure we do everything we can to be the best. So we'll make sure we do our scouting and we do all the rest of it. So everything we have access to, we're going to do to make sure we do our marginal games philosophy and keep, keep being the best we can be. Are you, are you confident going into the new season? Yeah, we've, we've put a good squad together. We're still looking for one or two, but we've, we've put a good squad together and yeah, we'll be, we'll be ready when it comes around. If we want to, uh, what fans want to get involved, uh, find out more about it, what's the best way to do it? Well, we launched a new website this week, so it's, it's watford.fawsl.com and so everything goes on there and the Twitter is always active, so everything's always on the Twitter and you know, we encourage fans to get in touch as much as possible, coming down to our games and come and see us play and keep coming and supporting us, hopefully. And the games are uh, at Burke Hampstead uh, yeah. Club? Yeah, Burke OFC. Most games are, some, I mean, some may be Wednesday or Thursday nights, but most are Sundays, 2 o'clock kickoff. Okay, so a uh, big season ahead, more warmer weather games. It's it's the way forward. Let's <laughs> Get the podcast and vlogs sent straight to you. Subscribe at fromtherookeryend.com. So Jason and I have just about recovered after Watford won Middlesbrough nil. John's uh, John's toddled off home. It uh, all a bit too much for his uh, for his delicate heart. Um, so he's gone. So Jason, what do we think of that? That was a strange game, wasn't it? It was, it was uh, almost a sort of nothing sort of game in the first half. I think we were letting Middlesbrough have a lot of the ball. They were playing some nice stuff. They got Albert Doma in the side, who's capable of taking players on. But they, considering all that, they, they weren't getting much joy from the crosses they were getting and I think again that's probably down to how well our, our centre back three whoever they are seem to be playing at the moment and then second half and it all went off yeah big time big time right? starting with uh, Forestieri obviously the, the one player who looked like he could create something for us Dini was working hard as we know he can do up front but uh, yeah Forestieri looked like he was getting run into the uh, run off the pitch but beat his man cut inside draw the foul penalty no question about the pen? No question about the pen right in front of me. Done sliding in. And uh, I think, yeah, there was, there, was, there was no doubt in my mind. Forestier was getting away from him. He said the defender probably had to make the tackle because if he didn't, Forestier could have got yeah. a cut back and in on goal. So uh, yeah. had to make the challenge and the he was just too good for him. And then obviously Dini slotted the penalty. No, no problem there. But then that's when it really sort of all went a bit wonky because... And this is what really aggravated me actually at the time. I thought, right, we're in a decent position now. If we can hang on, you know, this is going to be a good week, a good, a good period, a good run for, for Watford, as we spoke about. We've had a good run since, since that Forest debacle. Mm. And then, of course, dear Keaty, uh, you know, unquestionably a red card. Yeah, lunged in, no need for it, mm. no danger. Just an absolute abomination. Yeah. And, and he ceded the advantage straight yeah, back to Middlesbrough. Talks about him being a bad influence. And that, so to give him a, to be fair to him, or to give, yeah, 
I think he's been playing out of position there. He's not an advanced midfielder, which he is playing that sort of more advanced midfield yeah. role today. He's more of a defensive midfielder. And you can see when he was getting the ball, he, he looked like he wanted too much time. He was taking one touch, two touch, and then losing it. But then the, the one thing he's meant to be good at, it's, yeah, which is these, it's, it's being solid, good tackler of the ball. It was a stupid challenge. I mean, one, yeah, it wasn't a very good challenge. He's, he's, he was slow generally all game anyway, and you could see, you could see it coming. You could see he was going to be late to the challenge. But to then, sort of the intelligence of making a tackle like that, going over the top, just an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, no hesitation from the ref, and it was massively frustrating. You thought, here we go again. This is Watford this season, sort of one step forward, sort of two or three steps back, and it was it was hugely frustrating. And it kind of summed up the game, really. I mean, you, you spoke about it earlier. It felt like they were both. It felt like an end of season game. If it if it was, if it wasn't minus twenty, you'd have thought it was it was the last game of the season. Both both teams looked like they were um, they were they were looking they were on the beach basically, and uh, they looked. They, Two poor sides, in, in honesty. And then, of course, Middlesbrough, the guy, um, who was it, Ben, I um, can't remember his name, but the guy, no, he'd, he'd already been booked, and yeah. he, he blocked the, the clearance from Bond, second yellow, and off he goes. And it, it was just, it, it, it just summed up the worst bits yeah, of football um, for me, that. It's the sort of yellow card, you know, your manager's going to be going absolutely nuts yeah, about. To right. get yourself sent off doing something like that. When you, when you know, again, it comes down, it comes down to intelligence. You know you're on a yellow card. Yeah. Why risk it? When you're in that position, the chance to get back in the game, why risk it and do that? But how? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the upward inflection in, in Jace's voice there is, is right, I think, because we've battled and we did win the game. And since Nottingham Forest, that is an excellent run of form. We've got, we've got a draw at Leicester and we've got three home wins. We're not conceding any. We're not scoring many. And, and by crikey, it's not, it's not pretty to watch. But, but he's got us hard to beat, hasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. You'd, you'd rather be winning, um, working hard for those wins than, than playing fancy Dan and then throwing it away all the time. So as, so you can't help but think, as Forestieri tried one a little trick and sort of stuff, and failed really that, that last year that our success came from, from moving the ball quickly and, and playing the space it feels like now we're winning well winning ugly really mm-hmm. do, how do we feel about that as what happens that like that, you, yeah, you, we were in, a, in, in danger if we continue to, to not win these games we're in danger of getting stuck into a relegation battle so yeah you need to win ugly I, I talked earlier on the podcast about the games we've got coming up and we're going to be playing teams that are going to be battling and fighting and it's going to be niggly and we're probably going to have to win one or two more games ugly uh, and it could have been had we not won these ones we could have been really fighting with those guys to, to stay out of the relegation spots quite right I think three points is three points and any football fan who doesn't go home happy after winning probably needs their, needs their head read we've, we've turned around what was a tricky situation um, we're not letting in lots of goals and yeah we're, we're moving in the right direction so that's it for another From the Rookery End podcast thank you very much for listening as always we appreciate it um, you can get in touch with, uh, with John uh, myself and, and Jace on Twitter R- John is Rookery John I'm at Rookery Mike Jace uh, he's Jace Bailey aren't yeah, you yeah that's the one that's the one uh, you can also uh, check us out on uh, fromtherookeryend.com and you can see us on Facebook facebook.com forward slash Rookery End um, if you've got anything you want to share with us by all means get in touch email us podcast at fromtherookeryend.com we always love to hear from you uh, so Jace how do we feel at the end of this podcast a lot better than we did I think at the end of the last one uh, looking upwards looking upwards that works for me I've just seen my cousin uh, who's also called John he's even more optimistic than our, than our John he reckons we're still in with us out of the playoffs so I'm not convinced that, that we're there but, but we're turning the corner we're winning games I'm a lot happier come on you on it come on you